What is up, everybody? Thank you for checking out a new episode of the Barbacoa Core Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Huerta. Today, I am joined by uh, the host of the Mustachio Podcastio and also the frontman of uh, Drown the Fear. Give it up for Daniels Gouda. What's up, man? What is up, brother? <laughs> How you doing? Pretty good, man. It's great to hear you again, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, I always don't know. Like, you have such great intros for your podcast. I'm like... I hate doing it. Like I'm doing it. Like I'm I'm hosting like a comedy show. So I'm like, put your hands together for this. But it's just us. There's nobody to hands together or anything. But I still do that. It's so fucking ridiculous. I like to uh, think uh, one of your listeners just kind of walking downtown San Antonio and they just start clapping for no fucking reason. They're like, up. Oh, well. that would be awesome. That would be <laughs> awesome. Uh, so thanks for doing this, man. Like, this is this. I don't know why this didn't hit me before. I've been doing these Zoom meetings, like with with some buddies for the podcast or whatever, but all these people are like twenty minutes away from me, and I'm just like, oh, let's let's Zoom, let's just talk to talk on Zoom, <laughs> and you, uh, Daniel's in California right now, and I'm like, why the fuck don't I talk to people outside of Texas, outside of San Antonio, out like why don't I stretch out and stuff? Yeah. So uh, it's good to have you all the way from California. Uh, so what's what's it like to live in a blue state? <laughs> Um, it's really weird. It's hard to explain because you almost have to be reminded, um, that it's a blue state because I'm constantly, it's weird. Like in Texas, especially growing up in San Antonio, where I guess San Antonio's kind of has its own type of, um, environment and, and feeling and, and the community and the way it is, I think is very distinct in San Antonio, but in Texas in general, you know, like you mentioned, it's weird hearing someone say this singer for Drown the Fear. Like I haven't even I not that I haven't thought about my boys from Drown the Fear, but it's just been the fact that um I'm not there in SA. I haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to play in so long. And so it is kind of amazing. Like I miss performing. It's been a it's been a while plus COVID. And in fact, um, I'll get back to the point I was making, but in fact, we were supposed to play in mid-March. I was gonna take a plane out to San Antonio just for a show and then to visit some family because it'd been a little bit and COVID popped off and I was like, yeah, I'm just, I think I'm going to just stay home. And we, they ended up canceling that show anyway, but, but yeah. So when I first moved out here to LA, it's, um, and in California, I've traveled here and there, the people just aren't as warm. Uh, and in Texas, you pretty much can go anywhere. There's some, obviously some cities, you know, they see us, looking all Chicano and they, they kind of give us a look, but for the most part, everybody's pretty, pretty awesome. And like, they'll tell you hi, like, even if they have no idea who you are, yeah, you know, and they'll give you a wave or what's yeah, up like or anything. Yeah. A little something. Yeah. And it took me no joke. It took me two weeks to just stop saying what's up to people or good morning or good afternoon yeah. in, at work. Cause I would be passing by them down the hallway and, and I'd be like, Oh, good morning. And I've never seen someone like so consciously try to avoid making eye contact with me. Oh, for sure. Like they're like, mind your business. What the yeah. fuck? Like I th- I looked down because I thought maybe my dick was out or something. I was like, did I leave my fly open? Like what is going on? It, it's so weird. Like for a place like going back to like being a blue state, you would think that people in general would be like kind of nicer. 
you know. Yeah. But it's the same the same thing. Even in Washington, Washington's been a blue state for for quite a while. And when I was there, cold, cold yeah. people, cold nobody. Yeah, and then it 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 made me that way, like to where I was just like walking around all like mean mugging and shit, so people wouldn't fuck with me. But it took me a while once I moved back. I mean, I've been back for like ten years. It took me a while to like get back into that, just saying hi to strangers. Hey, how you doing? Hey, yeah. what's up? <laughs> yeah. But little little by little, it's it's like San Antonio, especially close to downtown, the South Town area. It's becoming that that vibe to where people don't even say what's up. Yeah, I don't know if it's like. Especially because I, I, I um, do you live in, do you live in Southtown right now? Yeah. So I, I was living in Southtown just before I lived right off of uh, Carolina and mm-hmm, Cressa mm-hmm. and a cool dope little, like, it was like a little apartment that was like an old historical home that had been fixed up pretty nice. And yeah. um, it was dope, man, especially being, I was single at the time. So like everything's popping off around there and, and there was yeah. tons of stuff to walk to. Plus like your homeboy here. I was jumping on scooters left and right. I was basically using scooters to go to work almost like 80% of the time. Yeah. Um, so I was that guy. Yes, everyone. I was that guy that's wearing like <laughs> casual business wear and, and on a scooter. I, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to minimize my carbon footprint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, nah, you just want to have fun on your way to work. Yeah. You want to be a kid feel- on your way to your adult job. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like popping a little wheelie off the curve and shit. I'm like, yeah. I feel like I'm young again. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it out there, but you do get this vibe of like, oh, you're, you're, they're kind of judgier. They're like, oh, you're either from the Southtown area, you're from that area or you're not. And, you know, yeah. And they, they know that a lot of outsiders come through too. Um, that's like, Southtown's really weird. It's like the closest that people from um, the more well-off, higher income areas of the city, you know, like 281 North and areas around there um, mm-hmm. actually venture off to really quick just to stop at a restaurant, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but every now and then they'll walk around. And I think people that are from the area are always kind of like, man, like they should be happy because it's good. They, the economy needs it and it's good for them to be spending their money um down there but i think a lot of people are they just become very clicky about it you know a little yeah. shit and that's kind of um certain parts of la in a nutshell luckily where i live i, I live um in south la uh, it's a little more um i would say a little more hood but the community that we're in is super tight-knit everybody like knows each other i mean, yeah. we moved in like everyone knew how many years families from certain homes on the street have been there and stuff like that so uh, what what movie nice. what movie if any has been uh filmed in your neighborhood in or around your neighborhood yo man that's the problem with like so i live in huntington park and, huntington park yeah some people call it hp but when you say hp people think highland park which is like a slightly more kind of austin-y vibe to me yeah i mean i'm no obviously i'm no la expert i haven't been here that long but that's the vibe that area gives me it's kind of you see like guys wearing scars when it's like 90 degrees and shit oh man fuck that <laughs> fuck that dude <laughs> they're like wearing beanies i'm like bitch i'm sweating if i was wearing a beanie i'd be dying right now dude yeah i can't stand that shit i'm oh. sweating right now and i'm inside it's ridiculous <laughs> I, i'm a sweater i can't i can't do beanies i can't do scarves fuck that yeah i'm the same way man uh this is the least i've sweated since i moved out here this is the least i've ever sweated like i have yeah. to like literally work out side to like start getting something but um but yeah huntington park is 
it's because of the stuff there's other areas that have been filmed like you know we're not that far from like inglewood and, and we're not that far from you know um compton areas like probably i guess man maybe it always feels like everything's like 20 to 30 minutes away from you and yeah. <laughs> around here but it's like like a 25 30 minute drive or something like that so yeah, there's been plenty of stuff filmed around in the area but i've never actually done research like what movies have been filmed in huntington park so that's something i kind of want to look into because i'm not sure maybe there's been a couple who knows oh you know what you know what i remember finding out that um oh my god why is it skipping my head um it's the john travolta greece so at greece the oh I think yeah the interior shots of the high school were filmed at huntington park high school oh okay that's yeah so cool. that's like the only thing i could think of no yeah no no like uh there's this this netflix uh series i forget what it's called uh it's like gentrification but hentified it's hentified so it was filmed in uh boyle heights right so everybody's oh, yeah, like heights, yeah. so everybody was at first are like oh props to boyle heights you know they're, they're representing showing what's up and then after that thing came out they're like fuck now we can't afford to live here anymore like they're gonna raise the prices because netflix made it all like looking popping and yeah yeah no like you you do get a lot of you know also that's something that's very much echoed in san antonio and a lot of major cities um yeah. you know us growing up in the south side of san antonio um a lot of that hasn't quite reached where me and you grew up i guess a little bit here and there no it started man it's, it's started. starting a little bit yeah. I, you know uh and so yeah i, I figured when I was living in Southtown, I started thinking like, man, a lot of like these young families are going to be starting to want to move here, but then they're going to look at the prices of the homes and they're going to start looking closer to where we grew up. Uh, and, and it's going to start expanding out there, which is a good and a bad thing. You know, it might push some, some people out of their homes because the taxes go up, you know, like everyone yeah. knows how gentrification works, but it's, it is unfortunate. You You want a little bit, but you don't want too much of it. So it's sort of a balance and you need to, you need the city to also be thinking about um, about the people that have been there since the very beginning, the, the families that have been there for a long time and supporting them as well. So it's like that here in L.A. as well. Yeah, Boyle Heights, man, definitely. Uh, I think Huntington Park is also one of those places where the where I live right now, where it's kind of starting to it's starting to we're starting to grow and it's starting to get better and um, more businesses are 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 growing it's just now with COVID-19 obviously it's it's really set a lot of things back and slowed a lot of things down but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping things will start um, continuing uh, as usual but you know Texas and California seem to be like competing with uh, who's gonna get the most infections and (laughs) who's gonna get the most cases yeah dude it's it's kind of it's kind of sad like what's the vibe like there like are things opening up a little bit uh businesses and gatherings and are are y'all still like on hardcore shutdown it depends on what area you live in i think la county is still like in purple because there's like colors i should know more man but um there's like different colors and i know that la county is still in the pretty much essential businesses are the ones that are open right now i think they recently allowed bars to open depending on like percentages of people that are in there or something like that yeah could be wrong but i think there's some areas that are like that and the problem is that that starts to happen and then shortly thereafter we get like a little bit of a spike and then you have to go take a step back and get back into the purple so it's just i think people just got incredibly and this probably happened in texas and other states i think people just got like a fatigue 
and you start letting your guard down. Yeah. I wear my mask. Like, even if I'm like walk, I basically decided a mask is like putting on everything else, my clothes. Like I wouldn't go outside with no shoes, you know? So yeah, I treat it that way. And even though it sucks, it's hot, you know? It, it, and I would imagine San Antonio, it's even worse sometimes. I know it's a little cooler right now, but yeah. um, I wear the mask. Even if I walk to the, liquor store down the street and like i don't even run into anyone i just keep it on like i'm just trying to set some sort of a precedent to everyone else like hey this is still around um and i know you feel like it's gone or maybe you haven't heard about it from anyone close to you right now but it doesn't take much for all of a sudden somebody gets sick and 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 all of a sudden you're putting your your loved ones in danger especially your your older adult loved ones, you know, so that yeah. that's what really sucks about it. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like stuff's opening up little by little here. Uh, they're, they're staying safe, you know, but people, people just tend to get a little bit too comfortable once they've been, been in one place for a while, like, like bars, of course, you know, you, you stay at your table, uh, you, you put your mask on when you move around and stuff that lasts 30 minutes. And then after that, like, no, you don't see any mask on faces and people are up and hugging and stuff. And it, it's it's fucking it's insane. But the whole shutdown just affected people so much, you know, yeah. uh, like I was pretty serious with it. And I really I really should be. And and, and uh, I'm going to be more more careful, especially now with the holidays coming up. You've been slipping uh, or what? Oh, man. <laughs> I can see the guilt in your face. Though. I am guilty. I, I feel I feel bad dude i feel bad like all right well I, tonight i'm doing a spot at the tiger and the tiger is in the basement of the magic time machine yeah yep and uh we, we have limited the amount of people that are allowed to come downstairs we asked them several times to keep their mask on uh for the most part for the most part they comply but they're also drinking yeah, you know, so you can't yeah. say okay, take take a drink and then and then put your mask back on. Take a drink. You can't you can't be too uh, aggressive with them because then it'll send off. They'll send the wrong vibe. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the more they drink, and you start trying to enforce it more, people tend to get like everyone has like everyone's a slightly different. The people that drink um, all are kind of different depending on some are more positive and fun and some are a little more edgy. And like, it only takes that one guy to get fired up when you try to tell him to put his mask on and he's had a few too many or he's, you know, he's buzzing and he yeah. starts, you know, it, it just ruins it for everyone else. So yeah, there is this, I, I would imagine there is a unrelenting, very anxiety ridden pressure for both people that are, you know, running those shows for the owners for the employees, like it is a very stressful situation. You want people to have a good time. You don't want to be like, oh no, you don't want to be that bar where people are like, oh, don't go there. They they really enforce the mask stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's scary. You know, it's difficult. You want to try to keep your business open, so you don't want to try to tell people what to do. But at the same time, you don't want to be the business that's on the news because a COVID nineteen, you know freaking outbreak went off you know because you didn't bother doing anything about it so yeah it is a balance man um i think you shouldn't feel there's that whole thing where and we all grew up with that especially in school where you see all the kids doing something it is very difficult 
to be that person that's the odd person out because everybody else is feeling like, oh, who gives a crap, especially in the environment. Um, some environments where a lot more people aren't yeah. going to follow it. You know? Yeah. So it, it's it's tough, dude. It, it is. It is, tough. it is. It is tough. Like for the first six months, for sure, we were we were very strict with it. We were very strict. We didn't see nobody. We didn't go anywhere. But then you start seeing people living their lives and you're just like, well, man, like it sucks for me because I'm stuck here at home. And it's I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm not saying that uh, it's right. And uh, I do I do feel bad, but uh, I need I need to be more more careful with it. I think we just need to accept that this isn't going to go anywhere until we have a vaccine and that vaccine isn't going to be available to all of us for quite some time probably um a lot later than we think mm-hmm. and we need to start integrating all these efforts that we did for these first six like I, I i'm not saying that we should never go outside or we should never go to public places and hang out at a bar or something but yeah. we should constantly know that it's there you know i think it's just tough because you can't see it you know and you it takes days it takes a couple of days yeah it's it's very difficult um yeah. So yeah, I think it's just working in as a standard procedure of like I'm gonna wear my like if I I haven't gone to a bar yet because I like I said I think bars are open but I have literally not paid attention to that because I do mostly stay home or mm-hmm. we go for a hike or we go somewhere where it's out in the open. Mm-hmm. I actually like drinking alone, so it yeah. worked out really great for me. I don't social drinking annoys me because I don't get to just enjoy the. Um, the feel the the feeling of the slight kind of buzz and elevation that you get when you're having a good drink, like maybe a bit of whiskey or something. No, I get movie. that. Yeah, I get you know, that for sure. Which is also a bad thing, though. Um, yeah, that's made it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always have people tell me, like, you know, that's a bad thing. Like, you, it sucks when it's not good when you like to drink alone because you're gonna drink at home and you're gonna drink more than you would have if you went for to a sure. bar and spent more money. For but sure. I can't help it. Like it just is easier for me. And it has, yeah. I have physically seen the results of being home uh, quarantined for this long because I just, you know, have increased that amount of drinking and I've probably gained like 20 pounds. So I'm having to knock down. I really, I have to lose like 25, 30 pounds. So that's well, yeah. going to suck. I mean, I still look okay though. Like I'm, you know, I'm chulo, but I'm just puffy. <laughs> but, <laughs> God bless the liquor stores for never never closing, man. They were essential the whole time, and I agree that they were. They've always been essential to me, uh, through and through. Well, but, you know, uh, L.A. is um, California in general is a place, especially uh, from my experience here in L.A. Like it blew my mind that CVS and Walgreens have like liquor. liquor. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like. Holy shit! There's like some bullet bourbon rye right there. Like I was like, yeah. what the fuck? I can just and it's, it's down my street. That's dangerous. That yes. shit is dangerous to me. I remember like when I was going on tour and stuff, we would stop at these places where they had liquor at the grocery store, and I was like, this is insane. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird that that's the thing in Texas. Like they're so they're so particular about who can sell liquor and they make it very complicated even for like venues to sell liquor. Yeah. I've been to a lot of venues where like, or if I've performed at venues with the band where they're like, well, we can just sell beer. We can't really have, we don't have a liquor license cause it's like a bitch or it's expensive or something. Yeah. You know? They it's don't make it very easy. It's so yeah. weird. I mean, I don't understand it to me. It's like the same shit, but 
I don't know, whatever, man. I just know I need to stop drinking so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to cut back. It's it's weird. What helps is like uh, doctor's appointments when you gotta do blood work and all that stuff. You're like, oh, oh, I can stop. I can stop drinking for a couple weeks. So I think that one, that two weeks or whatever yeah. that I stop drinking is gonna make a world of difference from all the shit I've done to my liver. I know, but, right? <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, I know. I'm gonna schedule one, and probably in like late January. So this is like my month to just sort of throw in as much more bullshit into my body. And then I think December, I'm going to start just drinking Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays and that's it. And yeah, I just do one day now. Yeah. 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 So, and not to say I'm getting blasted every day. I don't want you to start reaching out to me with your, your groups that I should speak to. I'll be okay. But uh, I actually did take just randomly in April or May. I just took 30 days off. I was just like, I just want to take 30 days off. I just want to make sure I'm not weird about this. You know, because when you've been doing something so casually for a while, you do start, you start worrying about like, wait, am I addicted? I can't tell. Because I don't, it seems like addicts never know until it's like really way far in. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take 30 days off and see if any if I get weird or agitated. I was fine. I just, nah, yeah. I really wanted a beer, but it was like it was almost like wanting a pizza. You know, yeah. like I want pizza every fucking day. Like if I could eat pizza every day and not become a giant person, like I would totally do that. And that's kind of what it is for 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 liquor for me. Except it's yeah, for not, sure. You know, the effect isn't quite as bad as eating pizza every day yeah beer the probably are, are so bad the, the hangovers are, are getting worse year by year uh, oh for you yeah yeah for sure oh shit mine have mine have um i guess because i'm learning like how my body works better what i do is i drink um so we're on zoom everyone so he can see me i don't know if you <laughs> yeah. release this with the zoom video on no i'll be audio but yeah okay so i drink see this giant jug uh-huh I drink one, a whole one the whole day and it's um I think it's I don't know how much it is 116 ounces and so I drink that much every day so that way I'm plenty uh, um hydrated uh-huh. and 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 it's it's not like oh now I have an excuse to like drink a whole bottle of whiskey yeah, yeah but yeah. <laughs> if I go a little over at least my body can kind of reacclimate itself a little bit better um, yeah. and I'll wake up not feeling completely like crap, but actually, you know, a couple of days ago, I want to say it was like Tuesday. I drank a, I drank a little too much whiskey and, and I was, uh, I was, uh, getting ready for work and getting ready and prepared. And I was telling myself like, yeah, I'm, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't do yeah. this. I need to lighten up a little bit. Cause it did hit me. Um, it is the worst trying to focus. And um, luckily I kind of have, I just sort of eat a, I, I always get like a nice giant burrito or something and a mm-hmm. breakfast burrito, grease it up real good, have a bit of coffee. And that normally kicks me back into gear, but yeah. everyone's different. What's, what's funny is that like when, when I was going into the office uh, after a night of drinking, uh, I used to drink a lot on on Tuesday night, so going to work on Wednesday, so hungover. But I my body would do me a favor and just say, okay, we we know you're hungover, or maybe I was still drunk. I don't know. But then we we'll go like, <laughs> but it'll it'll be like, we'll we'll save this hangover, get through your work day, and as soon as you get home, you're gonna collapse. Just so you know that, and that's exactly what would happen. I would stumble through my work day, get those eight and a half hours done. But as soon as I get home, done. 
Like just yeah, spent dude. the energy week. I was like, this this is it's not worth it anymore. It's not worth it to do it like that anymore. Yeah, I definitely but. fell into that sort of um routine when I was living alone. Yeah. Because that is the magic of um so I was married for a long time. I, I not really that long, but like seven years, but I was yeah. with her for a, a while after like uh, before that. And it was insane being able to just go leave, like to just leave. You don't tell anybody. You don't yeah. have to plan. Oh for man, it. what's that like? It's yeah. freaking amazing. <laughs> you know, I was always like the guy at work, like, "Hey, you want to go grab some drinks?" And like, I'd have to go through like six or seven people before I would get someone that was like wanted to do it because everyone yeah. has lives and families and children yeah. and pets. And um, and then, like I said, I lived down the street basically uh, from work uh, when I was in San Antonio, and and. Yeah, man, I would go to um, Burleson Beer Garden mm-hmm. uh, and I would go and I love that place. Uh, if any of y'all listeners in San Antonio definitely support Burleson, I'm not sure if uh, they're probably open, right? They're probably open. They they're outdoors. Yeah. And um, I go there and then come home. It was a really short drive or I would take a, a lift or something. And yeah, I would go into work and um, yeah, man, I would just basically do what you just said. I would just muster it up i would eat a good breakfast i would just get through it i would do my thing lean on the 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 lean on the bit of talent that i have and just push (laughs) through and then i would get home and would just knock out for like two hours i would take my dog out really quick and then we would just knock out for two hours and then i would wake up and like "Ah, what a day yeah yeah like that whole day yeah, that whole day you're like, I'm never gonna drink again. I'm never gonna drink again. And then the following day you're just like, Oh, I could, yeah. I could use a beer. I, well, I own a beer. The, <laughs> that is one of the things, especially if you're like um touring or you know, you're out with friends or anything like that. <laughs> it is crazy. And this is honestly what a lot of people that spiral out of control with drinking do is they simply drink a little bit uh when they get up or just so shortly after. Yeah. And that does tend because your body is like trying to reacclimate itself to the lack of alcohol since mm-hmm. you put so much in it and you put a little bit in there like a cocktail or a beer or something and it will sort of balance you out usually unless you drank way so much that you're just you know freaking puking everywhere <laughs> but that yeah. doesn't happen to me since i have for a long time like i'm usually a lot more careful than that but um but yeah man uh it is definitely something I, i'm going to have to keep on chipping away at because you know we're both getting older yeah and uh and you definitely start feeling the effects more like the the physical effects so yeah i put it up i gotta put that work in i, I know i do i gotta, nah, put that work. I gotta sure. work out more for yeah. sure you more know? positive stuff not all like the alcohol and the whatever else you'll have in california available <laughs> that you, you see oregon r.i.p oregon man like all uh, all drugs are legal in oregon no so, way. Yeah, or decriminalized. I guess decriminalized. Wow. All, all uh, well, I guess not illegal drugs, but all drugs are decriminalized in Oregon, which is insane. So, uh, R.I.P. Mean, Oregon. I've always felt like that would be a good experiment to see. So I think I think it's good that somebody did that. Or one of the states did that because I think it would be a great uh, case study to see if it's worth doing something like that. I think it relinquishes the power of the people profiting off of that stuff. Um, 
you know, because all of a sudden, I, I don't know, like, I feel like it takes away the stigma. I don't know why uh, for, yeah, I, for young I see people, that. Yeah. You know, like it being illegal um, makes it more mysterious or something. But then yeah. all of a sudden, now it's just like, oh, this is just someone that makes you like a dirty person, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Well, I mean, we could all we could have always said that about alcohol, but it wasn't hard to get alcohol in, no. in, in high school, you know? It was very easy, a little too easy sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, real easy. So, I mean, well, I guess we'll find out how they do. Uh, I mean, like, it's just, it's insane for them to do that. But, uh, yeah, that is crazy pants, dude. Uh, I couldn't imagine that happening uh, in Texas. Like, holy shit. No, nah, it never happened. It'll never happen. <laughs> do you never think, happen. Do you think weed will ever be legalized or cannabis will be legalized in Texas? I think the furthest they'll go is medical. It'll be medical. Yeah. And they'll be real strict with those medical things. I, I don't know anything about anything either, but I feel like if they just keep it medical, that will satisfy people a little bit. Also, like, politically speaking, speaking the the people that run texas um especially the conservative uh, uh officials that run texas they don't want it to look like oh we're just liberating and yeah uh, texas so i think that's i think you're right i think if they were to they would kind of just walk that thin line and be like well you know yeah. we're not legalizing it fully because obviously they i think they they still are the ones that believe it's a gateway drug and all that stuff from like the 90s, yeah. you know. It did. It was really weird, though, when I first drove through here and I was just like seeing all these different cannabis shops just kind of scattered about. And um, I just thought it was so interesting. I was like, man, that is so freaking weird, dude. Like, yeah, you just walk into a place. You don't you don't need a California ID. All you just need is an ID. So, you yeah, can come in from anywhere and uh buy that stuff and um obviously you take a risk if you leave the state lines but yeah man it is a crazy it's it's and and honestly not a big deal you know like it doesn't seem to be affecting much so i yeah. really don't see the big thing um it, it creates jobs you know like not a whole bunch but i'm sure in the big picture it doesn't create a whole bunch but it does create jobs it creates more businesses and yeah like that so yeah and when i when i moved out here um I actually, because you know, you being in the comedy scene out there and and being a part of that, that that whole, um, honestly, I just as something that's really starting to grow uh, locally in San Antonio, which is awesome. Because I don't know about you, but when I was in high school and when I was like in my early twenties, I don't remember like a lot of small comedy venues or where you could just see like a quick open mic, like at a local bar or something like that. Oh, I yeah. didn't see that a lot, man. Like I didn't know anything rare. about it. I, I mean, I knew uh, about the uh, river center one, the, the big one. Yeah, yeah. And then LOL opened up about 14 years ago. No, maybe more than that, but it just wasn't on my radar. Like I just didn't understand the whole like open mic stuff. I didn't know how that worked. Yeah, uh, man. But it, it, and it's weird. Like it's like, you notice how when, whenever you buy like a new car, like a new uh, uh, like a kind of car or whatever, like the make and model and stuff, and you think nobody has this car, absolutely nobody has this car. I have this car. I'm the only one that has this car. Yeah. And then you start driving around, and then you see start seeing other cars, like, <laughs> like, they're like oh, like yeah, this uh, this car is everywhere. This car, every this car's always been around. I'm not the only one that has this yeah, car. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of like that because I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's been like obviously it's been around for a long time. I just, 
I don't know if it's growing now or if I just more aware of it because I'm part it's of it. Probably a little bit of both because I think I think it's it's yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's the fact that more people are I think a lot of people in San Antonio just never took comedy as something you could actually do. San Antonio is much more if you're looking at that type of lifestyle of like going into the arts type style of of living you're either going to do actual art in san antonio like we have a lot of awesome crazy talented artists and we have a lot of musicians so mm-hmm. that was usually the route you were going to go you're going to either do like the artsy thing or you're going to go a musician route and mm-hmm. comedy was like just not to me um wasn't something that came across my shit ever and maybe you're right maybe a part of that was i wasn't part of that scene or wasn't actively looking for it but i would say probably 10 years ago i actively looked and there wasn't a lot of places where you could find it Mm -hmm. and then by the time i left san antonio um there was like an open mic down the street at like a local bar you know like i just don't remember that happening as often in my memory and maybe maybe i'm wrong but i just feel like there's definitely before all this COVID stuff went off, I feel like it's definitely go. It was going into that track of having the popularity that maybe the Austin. I, I don't know how the Austin comedy scene rivals San Antonio. Um, oh, it's not the same at all. Like Austin's huge. Austin, so Austin's I, big. So I think some of that is trickling over, just like much of a lot of Austin trickles over to us. And sometimes people don't want it to in San yeah. Antonio, but. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is going to be trickling over, especially with some of the things that are going to be going on in Austin um, with um, some of those big heavy hitters uh, that are moving into that area. Yeah. Um, It might create more opportunities for comedians to not, and some of those comedians might want to try their shit out and maybe they don't want to try them out in Austin. Maybe they want to go to San Antonio. So then you get more San Antonio comedians coming through uh, or you get more comedians from Austin coming through to San Antonio to try some stuff out. So I, I think it could happen. I think it could start growing. Um, there's definitely going to be a window uh, for for it to really to really grow and just shine. So hopefully that happens. I think in LA it's kind of like people comedian like in LA you could see a comedian that's really famous like do their comedy set for like thirty people because they're just they they come out here just to kind of do their thing and try out some new shit and then they like actually go on a real tour and, yeah. like, and then go and do their thing. Um, which I love, by the way, I love being able to see all these people that I've been following for a long, long time. Yeah. They're right in your back, your backyard. They're there. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's insane. That's really fucking cool. But at, at the same time, it has to be like, over, like for somebody who's trying to be in the comedy scene it has to be way, way oversaturated right now. It's oversaturated. And it's also very, I think it would be very intimidating because it, it's funny when I moved out here, what was it? It's, it's been a little, it's been over a year, but when I moved out here, I, I seriously had people tell me like, Oh, you should look into like writing or, or maybe write some stuff and go on stage and try it out. Like, see what you think, you know, Um, see if you even like it. Uh, And I felt like I was too old for it. Um, uh, And I know you talked about that on on my show for that. Yeah. uh, Patrick was on, on the mustachial podcast. And we talked a little bit about that as well. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like who cares? Like, you know, I think I could go up there and do something. And by the time I started finally getting off, because the first thing I wanted to do when I got here was get a job. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that took me a little bit. It's very tough to find a decent job um, out here, but I did. And then I was like, okay, that's done. Let me start 
and now I'm going to give it two months to get acclimated to my job. I don't want to get too distracted with other stuff. I'm just focused on my job. Then after that, it was probably like January, February, started writing. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll hit up an open mic. And then COVID-19 happened. And then I was like, okay, so I'm not going to hit up an open mic. I think I'm going to start a podcast. Like, I mean, at least I can do something with some creativity. I can Mm -hmm. have some fun. I knew you had your show Mm -hmm. and I had listened to it before and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was cool to hear a a voice uh, that is similar to the kind of voices I grew up with because Mm -hmm. I think there aren't a lot of popular um, there. there, I mean, obviously there are popular podcasts uh, with hosts of people of color Mm-hmm. But I think I had just hadn't heard a lot from that voice, that specific voice that I grew yeah. up with in San Antonio. So it's it always awesome to see you do it. And I was like, man, I want to give it a whirl, you know. And I had had a chance to be a um, to to guest in a podcast uh, for a couple a couple of times, actually a couple of episodes of the Grindbin podcast, mm-hmm. which is a really dope movie show, movie podcast where they talk about um, grind grindhouse films, exploitation films from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Oh, okay. Um, and I love, I'd been listening to them probably like for four, no, like two and a half years, three years. They've been mm-hmm. on for almost like four years or something like that. And I, when I got here to LA for no freaking reason, other than the fact I didn't have a job and I was bored as hell, I just messaged them and I was like, Hey, um, can I come on? Like as a guest <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and thinking like, and I, I, I kind of like get, get, went for the pity route because I was like, yeah, I'm just new in LA and I don't know anyone. And I've been listening to your show for a while and yeah. it'd be fun to pop on and, I'm comfortable around microphones and stuff. So I think it would be fun. And they said yes. And they let me even pick the movie. We did a oh, blood sucking wow. Freaks, which was a year now ago. It was like November something like early November, that episode was released. And when I had a chance to do that, I was like, I want to, it hit me that I wanted to try it. I just didn't actually do it until later on when I finally got my podcast off the ground, but it's yeah. been awesome since it's, I think it's good. I think it's a good way to at least get your voice and kind of get that confidence and then have some fun at the same time and make some new friends and shit. I think it's been a great time. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I I like doing it. Um, so t- tell people more about your your podcast. Is the Mustachio oh, podcast yeah. your podcast? Talking all about the grinding because um you know they're they're the the pod father. Yeah. Um, Where'd to, you come to, up with the idea for for yours? Well, that's what's kind of funny. Um, I guess I subconsciously decide because I I remember at some point. I wanted to do a podcast about mustachioed actors. Like, I'm like, oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> I had even created a logo for it, like in 2017 or something like that, 2018. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And I created a logo for it and I had the name for it. And I was like, isn't that funny? And I remember telling my ex-wife, like, isn't that a funny concept? She's like, oh, yeah, that would be great. You should do something like that. I am just so... I will put so much attention to something for like two days and then not, and not go back to it for like seven months or something. Same. Like, you know, same. I'm the so worst. much same. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had this sort of rolling around, spinning around. And then that's when I finally decided to launch it. And I wanted it to be a show where I, I could also do episodes on my own. I didn't want to always have to depend on, on getting guests because that is kind of the more stressful part is like organizing and, and, and getting the timing right for everybody's schedule. And yeah. so I have some episodes called Solo Cholos. Yeah. Where I just and basically I just talk about a movie and I feature a mustachioed actor that's in that movie that has also sported a mustache in real life as well. So it can't mm-hmm. just be someone that slaps on a mustache for a, a western or something, you know? 
Yeah. And I, it's a comedy show, really. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not like a big film connoisseur. So I'm sure there's like film people, like movie buffs that listen to my show. And they're like, nah, fuck this. This guy doesn't know his shit. But it, I'm really there to have a good time and to learn. Like I have guests that are more educated and, and know more about film, actually went to film school, some of them. Yeah. And they can add some of that aspect to it. And I'm just like goofy piece of shit guy that just makes stupid jokes and and has a good time and, and just laughs most of the time. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. And so anyway, I found out that there is an episode, an, like an early, early episode of the Grime Bin where one of the hosts, who's not even a host there anymore, he like he was a host for like maybe 25 episodes or something like that. Uh-huh. He meant he does this one-off comment of, wouldn't it be funny if there was a podcast just about actors with mustaches? Oh. Didn't come up with the name or nothing, but he just said it and everybody laughed. And then when I got my podcast out, my friend Bobby, who's one of the co-hosts for The Grind and Now, was uh-huh. like, hey, did you know that this person had said this in an episode? I was like, holy shit. He like planted the seed in my brain and like I forgot that I oh, even Oh, it was like it. in your subconscious? Yeah, dude. Because oh, I swear man. to God, I was just like, holy shit. I wait. I do remember that episode. And so I went back and listened to it. I was like, yeah, dude. He like planted that seed and then like almost three years later, <laughs> I finally created that stupid show. Yeah. So yeah, so I would say it's inspired, uh, inspired by that Grindbin episode. Uh, even if I didn't remember, it definitely was because I had to have heard it. So yeah, I mean it's it's cool, man. It's a, it's a great idea. We we did uh, uh, stir crazy. Oh yes, that was yeah. a lot of fun. That was uh, really fun. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest. You watch a lot of movies that I don't know, and I'm like, oh, let me watch this movie first, and then get you know your your oh, take yeah. on it and stuff so i i enjoyed the the one that you did the no hold barred because i that was one of my favorite fucking movies i watched that movie like so many times and then you brought out <laughs> details that i didn't really like think about and i was like oh yeah yeah and i think that was with uh my friend tim who is a hilarious dude and um he's from queens so he brings that new york attitude to every episode he's on yeah, and then uh, what's the one that the the one that you did with your brother, the Chuck Norris one? Oh yeah, we did Silent Rage. Silent Rage, Norris. Silent Rage. Yeah, that was that was a fun one too, man. Yeah, that movie. You know, I was gonna give that movie. So I rate my mustache. I rate. I rate my mustache. I rate my movies by my favorite mustaches, and the the lowest rating I could give a movie is is the toothbrush mustache, which is Hitler's stash. <laughs> I almost gave Silent Rage that, but my brother. Like he just saw with his weird positive spirit. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I did have a good time. <laughs> yeah. He just manages to make you like everything he likes. It's like a weird superpower, man. Uh, have Have you done Cloak and Dagger yet? No, I have not done Cloak and Dagger. That is something I might have to add to the list. All right. Well, can I let me let me have dibs on that one if you ever do that one. <laughs> yeah. I want to come back and do Cloak and Dagger. I just watched that like a couple couple weeks ago. Uh, because it's, it's in San Antonio, and uh, I, the, I the 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 secret message that it has in it, I just got it. <laughs> like like this, I was like, oh, that's what it's all about, and uh, oh, it's shit. it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because it's all like shot in San. Well, like eighty percent of it's shot in yeah, San Antonio. Man. I have not seen a lot of movies shot in San Antonio. There aren't. I don't think. I'm curious how many there are out there. I don't think there's many. I don't yeah, think many. I don't know why. I think it's a good. I think there's a lot of good. I think it's a lack of knowing. You know, I think if more people that directed movies knew um, 
the different environments that you can dig out of San Antonio that you could use for a movie, I think they would come by more. Um, but yeah, man, I am more than happy to bring you on board for Cloak and Dagger. I think that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, man. So whenever you're, <laughs> whenever you're ready, just give me give me a notice, and I'll go and do my homework on that stuff. Because you have to do your homework for sure. You have to do, do your homework. Yes, that if you're is... gonna co- go on your podcast, you have to do your homework, which is fun. Yeah, man, fun it is fun. Because you want to take part. Like that was something I learned early on when I was doing other movie podcasts. Was that if you want to be able to be effective and like be able to say what you want to say and you'll still miss things that you wanted to say, like after you're done with the episode, you're like, Oh man, I wanted to say that. So I try to put in some work into it because I, I do want to be able to get people through the movie and almost like, I guess like an audiobook, but for movies yeah. is basically what my show is like sometimes because you can kind of, my sister told me, early on where she was like i felt like i was watching the movie like in my head oh that's awesome yeah (laughs) so i try to do that a little bit i don't i don't want to go too much into minute details because it could get crazy boring and long um i'm releasing a episode uh, on monday when this episode releases um yeah uh, yeah that one was that one went long we can talk more about you know tell into this but yeah i was like whoa <laughs> but i didn't want to edit it. like i tried to edit as much as i could and there was a lot of stuff where i'm like hey i'm gonna keep that in there why not like i i, I was getting close to that three hour mark man yeah like, oh three hours that's insane yeah. <laughs> that's insane yeah i know man but these two cats just we we just it was like what movie was it okay so we we did super troopers 2001 super oh troopers. man all right I'm you know that, that was like yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. movie of our time you yeah know, we were we were in our prime back then man me and you i'm gonna be honest the first time i saw it hated it no for hated real it. okay yeah 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 hated it uh <laughs> and then i i saw it again uh not not sober and i was like this is the best thing ever <laughs> yes it is definitely a movie to me it's a movie you need to watch with with your with your buddies with yeah your friends yeah and having a good time and just laugh at it because when i watched it by myself at night on my computer i did not have a good time like the jokes don't quite land so the yeah. whole time me and it's three of us it's me tim and eddie the axe he's the host of the bloody bits podcast it's like horror movie stuff great show uh-huh uh he's Eddie's basically trying to convince me and Tim that this movie's good. Like for like three hours, <laughs> he's like, oh, come on. Like what percentage are you now that you like it? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Because we were just bashing it. But um, after a while, I started realizing, no, I think if I could have seen it, if we could have all three watched it together, we would have had a great time. Yeah. You know, it's just hard when you watch it by yourself and you're not, and you're sober. You're just like, okay. Yeah. It just hits different. Car ramrod. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it grew on me because then when we started talking about it, I was genuinely cracking up. Yeah. So, yeah. And and I will say, um, like I mentioned before, when me and Patrick were talking before we started recording, I told him that uh, I did, I did sort of, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I did sort of reveal something that I was not planning on revealing of from my youth. Um, oh, <laughs> and speaking of you being in the comedy scene, it has to do with, uh, uh, the great Howie Mandel. Oh yeah. 
who's not often thought of as a stand-up comedian anymore. He's just the guy, the bald guy that's weird about germs and hosts shows. Yeah. But at one point, he was a very, very successful stand-up comedian. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, I mean, he was very well known. I don't know well how known. good he was. <laughs> uh, all I know is that that balloon thing, that that hand, that plastic rubber glove balloon yes. thing. Yes. All, that's all I know about his comedy and then Bobby's World, the voice that he does. That, my, my yes, Bobby. he was yeah. like famous for those like two bits and then some writer, you know, in Hollywood was like, let's give this guy a cartoon. Yeah, um, good cartoon. I, I like the cartoon. Was, I like Bobby's World. Yeah, there's some pretty good characters in there. But, um, and I'll say here since both our episodes are coming out around the same time, but it was like a coming of age, like literally coming of age because I was at my uncle's house and uh, Howie Mandel special was playing. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was like HBO or Showtime or something like that. It was definitely a channel that I didn't get at home mm-hmm. and we were watching it. And Howie Mandel, I just remember hearing this one line that he says where he's like, ah, to be a teenager, soap was a slut. You know, that's what he says. <laughs> and everyone laughed in the room, but I'm like 12 years old. So I'm like, what, what's, what? Soap is a slut. So then like a week or two later, I'm taking a shower and I'm a soap to skin guy. And I'm taking a shower and I hear Howie Mendel's voice like, soap was a slut. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I work my way down there. And that was the first time I ever pleasured myself. <laughs> so Howie Mendel, wow. That, Howie that... Mendel taught me how to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thought of Howie Mandel, his voice, uh, just got inspired you there. me. That's yeah, it. he got me there. He was like my yo- he was my Yoda. He was my pleasuring Yoda. <laughs> yeah, so that was one of those. I was like, oh god, should I cut that out? That's horrible. But it's funny, man. Like it is crazy. I, yeah, it it's is always funny. made me laugh. That is funny, dude. <laughs> uh, that's cool. My God. So, uh, what's going on with the band? What's going on with Drown the Fear? Y'all still, I mean, y'all are still a band, right? I mean, I would say it's like a hiatus period. We definitely never had some like breakup or um, last show, technically. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know what the future holds for us. I, I personally, and I haven't talked to them about this, um, but I personally would like to pivot and try some new stuff and maybe even, you know, either add some people or um, add some instruments or something like that. Like maybe I take on something and learn something instead of just yelling in a mic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it would be fun to kind of maybe try, try some different stuff. I love heavy music. Like I've been making and um, doing vocals for heavy music for so long. And I feel like I'm decent at it. Um, it's unfortunate that we never had the opportunity to really, um, be on that stage where we could really see if this is something that a lot of people would enjoy. We just never quite got that sort of break. And also I think all of us were very much, uh, what is the word? I don't know if we all had that kind of drive that it takes that I know you have. And um, a lot of musicians that we know have in them that kind of grit and the drive that it takes to be able to have any type of a life doing heavy music as a living like it is unbearably difficult there's punk bands that a lot of us um punk and metal bands that we've all loved that we would think are doing great but in days when they're not touring they're probably working like at a bakery shop or some shit you know or a bar um it's a tough life and i just didn't i don't think 
we were ready to take that kind of plan. I, and I think maybe I put a lot on my plate as well. I, you know, at a young age, uh, you know, when I graduated from high school, I had a lot of pressure to, I had one of those families um, that had a lot of pressure on me to go to college and get my degree and continue mm-hmm. um, my education. And so I tried to do both and I just don't think you can. I think I would have been able to put so much more into it. Mm-hmm. So the band, um, and I did, I did, I did end up graduating, and I went that route. And now I work in marketing and PR. And so it was always. I think as soon as that happened, and I started building my career, I think I, the music thing became more of like, this is a very thing. This is something I'm passionate about. That my friends are passionate about. And when we're having, we have a great time creating this music, and we have a great time at the shows people enjoy the shows like if i ever played a show and not a single person came up to me and said like hey man i really love this part or i love what you did here or i love what your drummer did something just something if i had a show and not one person said something i'd be like all right i guess i'm done i guess this is it nobody gives a shit about this (laughs) you know So I think being able to see, like literally, I'm in the front and I'm looking at everyone, to visually see everyone having a good time, even if it's just 20 people or 40 people, seeing them have a good time, that that made it worth it, the the amount of work it took uh, to create that music and and all that good stuff. Uh, And and so I feel like I don't want to completely let go of that. I think I would love to be able to keep making music. I just don't know if I want to keep making heavy music, like super heavy um, music like we were making um, I think it would be fun to try something different you know we've mm-hmm. been doing this thing for a long time we have a lot of talent um, in the band and I feel like uh, I feel like it would be a great opportunity to do something like that we're getting older you know like we um, I think it makes sense for like bands like Terror and 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 you know all those all those hardcore bands that we were listening to like either in the late 90s or early aughts to still be playing music because they have such a huge following. Yeah. But I think for us where we don't have this huge following anymore, just because we just didn't have that consistency there to keep playing and keep staying in people's minds mm-hmm. um, and marketing and branding and all that stuff. Um, I think it, it would be a matter of like, we just want to keep playing those songs uh, for the people that for our friends, basically, or we could, you know, if we ever get back together and I move back to San Antonio or something like that, or, anything something like that or we can even make music kind of remotely that's possible too yeah a lot of people do that now yeah you Uh, can do that so it's always possibilities but i think it would be fun to try something different i don't know um have y'all recorded anything y'all have anything out um we have um no it's been a few years now we have some we have a demo and i think we have a couple of demo songs tracks out uh i think like four or five that we recorded Oof, i want to say it was like 2018 but we actually play i think we were still playing like three of those songs pretty consistently because we had a really good time playing those songs and we we oh you know like like most bands you start adding shit to it or you like change it up a little bit but that's a pretty good um those are on Bandcamp. if if y'all have ever heard of Bandcamp, it's like the best way to find new bands that are just up and coming Mm -hmm. and um not that we were one of those, but you can find like <laughs> you can find like all kinds of music there. Like it's amazing. I love Bandcamp. Their apps are super dope and easy to use. And so we have band- music on there, Drown the Fear, and you can find those those tracks on there if you ever want to check them out. They're they're not 
um, anything like mind blowing, but I think it's really fun and just good music to just kind of like, maybe you're just angry and you want to, yeah, you know, punch the sky. <laughs> uh, now, now drown the fear. And I hate to be that guy that like, what, what's the joke or is what's the inside joke, <laughs> what's the joke? But, but, but drown the fear DTF. Yeah, did, we'll see. Did y'all reverse engineer that that band no, name or no? <laughs> okay. But that was that sucked. So what happened was they got a funny story with that too. What happened was we we were point the name of our band. We were more of like a punk man. It was weird. I guess like a punky thrashy type band um, uh-huh. when we first started, and we called ourselves Pointless because we just couldn't. Oh, get that's right. Name. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we just couldn't think of a name. And we I think Rocky our guitarist was like man this is just pointless like who gives a shit and i was like ah, let's just name it pointless <laughs> and, uh, and so we stuck with that for so many years and then we decided to actually pivot the music and get more into that i guess like metalcore um hardcore type sound and not so much in that kind of punky thrashy sound yeah and so when we decided to do that we thought it was going to be such a drastic kind of change it would have been weird to keep that name and also i think we had taken like almost a year off hiatus Mm -hmm. unfortunately not by our own doing our like i think all our i think we had like all our stuff stolen or something like that happened and um so we just couldn't play and so we decided like hey well let's just change the band name and this and that this was like 2005 ish somewhere Mm -hmm. around there Mm mm-hmm and I was always one of those people like the band's uh, brand or the band's energy, like all that. Like I did all the lyrics. I did all the vibe of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, that was a lot of me. And at the time I was writing a lot of lyrics about either kind of like political type stuff or um, just social things like from like my upbringing and my environment that I grew up in. I think I was trying to speak to other kids that grew up in that are our, our we're growing up in that same environment as well mm-hmm. you know i guess like feeling like you're not quite you know you're just sort of against the grain kind of person so i would write lyrics like that and i think a lot of times um the problem with a lot of people is that they just have like they let their fear sort of take control of them so i called the band drown the fear because it's like you have more control over your life and you have more control over who you are if you just kind of like find a way to to lower that over that fear so it's like a super meaningful stupid fucking, oh, okay. like yeah. teenager idea that i had in my head then super bad <laughs> gets released in like 2007 or 6 or something like that like almost like a year and some change later yeah and that's when the dtf thing came in i think it it, it was maybe part of the lexicon at that time but it wasn't as widespread mm-hmm. and super bad just made dtf a fucking like worldwide <laughs> everyone knew what that meant and literally like months before that movie was released i had oh god i had dtf tattooed on my back <laughs> on my upper back not my lower back it's not a trap step but we played a show at a tattoo shop and the tattoo guy was like well i can't pay y'all but i'll give y'all free tattoos and i was like ah you know what man put dtf down the fear on my bag man i'll put it like right here on the top and you know it's like right below my neck and he put it nice and (laughs) the size of a fucking dinner plate so i've literally not broken any laws because I don't want anyone thinking I'm down to fucking prison, dude. Damn, dude, that that's an unfortunate tattoo. That's a great band name and a great meaning for that band name. 
unfortunate but tattoo. Unfortunate <laughs> tattoo and unfortunate <laughs> initials. And so I have actually been saving up. I'm gonna actually gonna get it covered and put a new tattoo over it. But yeah, and um it sucks, man, because the band means so much to me, but I'm like, I can't be going around with DTF on my skin. <laughs> like <laughs> and, oh, oh, here's another supporting story. So I love getting massages. Like I'm a big person that's into like getting that kind of thing it really helps with my anxiety personally so i used to go to massages all the time like maybe two or three times a month uh-huh. and i tried this new place in san antonio like three or four years ago and i was getting i went up to the cat it was done i went up to the cashier to pay and i saw a post-it like a little post-it on her desk and it said dtf question mark oh man <laughs> so like they were talking about it like oh this guy in the room he has dtf on his back what do y'all think that means <laughs> <laughs> so then i said so then right before i left after i finished paying i was like it means drown the fear and she was like so embarrassed i'm like it doesn't mean down to five <laughs> <laughs> She was so embarrassed. She's like, oh, shit, that was the guy that had the DTF on his back. Oh, oh God, man, that's dude. fucking hilarious. I think I'm going to have to make a clip out of just that, just for oh. like a little snippet. <laughs> My life, dude, is sometimes a damn Seinfeld episode. I swear to God. Oh, that is so fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> that is so fucking hilarious. Uh, I'll keep it. Like, just fucking just stick with it, man. If it, if it means that to you, I, I don't know. But yeah, you I definitely- think I might. I think I might find a way to symbolize what that is, what it means to me, and just in a different way, and I'll put it somewhere else. Yeah. But I definitely won't have DTF on me. I just On your I, back. Yes, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there, everybody. It's still there. And oh. I forget. It's back there. Like, I don't look at it. I don't go looking in mirrors to see the reflection of my back, you know? So I often forget. And then someone always sees it in a situation where, you know, we're going to a pool or something like, oh, bro, what does DTF mean? Like, fucking, what the fuck? <laughs> and so then I got to go through this whole story. So maybe I'll just direct them to this episode. <laughs> does anybody else have, uh, anybody else in the band have the DTF they, tattoo? I think, I think they all do except Rocky, but they all didn't get giant dinner plate sized ones. They're all oh, small. Huge. like. The one on my back is pretty, it's like, I think it's like probably like that big, dude. Oh my God. It's pretty big. Uh, <laughs> it's not large dinner plate. I'm joking with that, but it is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and so the other guys, they have it like thin, like on the wrist or <laughs> in the inside of the arm. Yeah. So they are fine. They, they <laughs> nobody will notice it. And yeah, plus, like right Felix on, has. DTF on the back is like, yeah, that's, that's a mixed message for sure. Yeah, dude. I felt like that's like a basically a welcome sign. Oh, that's so funny, man. You might as well be lighting up, like, <laughs> enter yeah. me. Come and uh, get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of those decisions that uh, if I could go back, maybe I would come up with a different idea. Like, why uh, don't we just spell it out? It's worth the pain. Yeah, fuck it. Uh <laughs> Oh man, it's fucking hilarious, uh, dude! I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, you know what? I yeah, forgot. Man. This was we're crazy sh- fun. Plugs. Uh, we we're supposed to do your plugs at the beginning. Completely forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so plugs, social media, anything you got coming up? Uh, let people yeah. know about it right now. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, uh, yeah. So you can check out the Mustachio Podcast. You only where you listen to podcasts. I'm I'm on Google Podcasts, you know, Apple, all that stuff, Stitcher. Um, and you can also find out what's coming up um, in the upcoming episodes. Like Patrick was saying, you know, I think a lot of listeners like to watch the movie before um, yeah. they listen to the episode. 
So you can visit Instagram. Uh, visit Instagram. To go. You can type in www. Um, <laughs> but you can get on Instagram and you can find us at uh, at Mustachioed Podcastio. That's M-O-U-S-T-A-S-H-I-O. So I spell it with the O and the U. Um, and and that's, so it's not the M-U-S-T that you often see. I think it actually Mustachioed spelling it that way is um, Britishy. I think oh, that's okay. the way they spell it in England. I just thought it looked better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Mustachio Podcastio on Instagram, M Podcastio on Twitter. And I think I'm on Facebook. I haven't gone to that page in a while, but it's there. <laughs> so yeah. you, can, uh, you can always direct message me if you have any uh, suggestions for movies like Patrick did in this episode. I'm always looking for more uh, ideas on movies to cover because there's a lot of mustaches out there, people, and I want them to be on the show. So any help. got to catch them all, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good bit i think i might do something like that with pokemon and mustaches yeah you gotta there catch you go up. you could have that one for sure um, Thanks, man. you can follow me twitter and instagram at your homie pat also check out um anti-social hour it's uh, a podcast that i'm uh been a guest on or part of some however you want to say it uh at anti-social comedy on instagram and then yeah uh Daniel, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, wait, hold on. I will say, listen to Patrick's episode on the Mustachio Podcast deal. I'm not 100% sure which number episode it is, but it's stir crazy. Stir crazy. A lot of fun. hilarious. There are some moments in that episode. Just awesome. Loved it. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> to all, so listen to all the episodes. Listen to all the mustachios. Watch the movie and then listen to them. And that makes it more funner. <laughs> it does. I can't. Uh, all right, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for doing this. Uh, check you later. Hell yeah, brother. Oh,